Welcome to this special on-location segment for the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast. I am John Ross, Westminster Effects artist and church nerd from Lincoln, Nebraska, joined today, as always, by... Cody Fields, president of the Nosebinster family of guitar effects. You can check us out and give us your money in exchange for goods in the form of guitar effects at westminstereffects.com. It's hard without a script, isn't it? Is, it? It's it is. ridiculous, you heard. stuff printed out. My sunglasses, like, we're so... We're we so professional. Wow, my gosh! Like, <laughs> you know, it's you know you're pro when you're holding on to your lav mic and tucking the adapter under your gut. Well, anyways, so yesterday morning was the first day that we actually met. Yes. And it, it, it just was and business and as usual. And thankfully, I was taller than you had anticipated. Yeah, <laughs> you were much taller than I had anticipated. I'm 5'11". And I'm 6'5". It's, yeah. not, it's, not, it's nothing huge. You were under the impression but that I was like 4 feet. I just, I just thought that, you know, you were... Calvinists have a way of being squirrely. And, you know, I just <laughs> didn't you're, know... You're not wrong. Small hands smell like cabbage. That's... <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that mm. at this point. I don't either. What, what are we doing now? We're just uh, just just, We're just stuff for the show. So we had this whole grand scheme to record this like panel show. It didn't work out. It, we just didn't do it. It's not like something like it's not like we tried and failed. We just didn't right. try. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, we were talking to uh, Diaz of the Effects Loop podcast, I think it was, who said this. He said, no, 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 it wasn't Diaz. It was Simon from G7. Okay, yeah. Said every, nope, it was Diaz. I'm it sorry. was. <laughs> this is how many people you talk to. At I know. Is it's ridiculous. Everything runs together. Diaz said, everyone likes the idea of that. You get to see people you're friends with yes. in the industry. But then, oh yeah, I gotta pay bills. Oh yeah. And, and you know, it, this is work. Uh, like this is me trying to make money. But at the same time, there is the cool part of seeing people that maybe you haven't met before and have read a podcast with for over a year. <laughs> yeah, no joke. I mean, so I'll share. I'll share my own like personal uh, reflections here. So yeah. I was the guy like forever, like ever since college. Like I'd watch the premier guitar Nam videos. Right. And I'd be like, I want to be there someday. And you know that. That was huge for me because I'd watch all these videos of guys like Johnny DeMarco and uh, and Greg Koch um, doing demos of this awesome gear, and I just never thought I'd be able to come. And and so when I had the opportunity to come and, and help with the booth and help with the show, um, you know, I kind of set it out in my mind ahead of time that you know I'm not going to be in the same mindset was that I was in college. Right. I'm not going to come to be like, oh, I went to Nam. Um, and I will say, having been here, it is really awesome yes and uh, you know our PCB guy for Westminster your R&D Kyle Daly uh, we were talking on the way here on uh, on Thursday and about fangirling over over people yes which and is, which is appropriate oh yeah it, it, uh, yeah absolutely and and the the thing is is I asked him he's like you know who would you fangirl over and he gave me a few people but he said pretty much everybody he said 
things. Like for me, it'd be Greg Koch. It'd be it'd be the Gristle King himself. If I saw him, I would just kind of go weak in the knees because he's just he's been that guy right. for the last over ten years that I've been watching. Yeah. And who? When I went to go pick up my Nam badge, who was right next to me? But Greg Koch. How about it? And you know what? His hair was wet. It was just thrown back in a ponytail, and it was that moment. Was like, you know Clearly what? Clearly had just gotten out of yeah. the shower. We're we're all in the same boat here. Yep. We're all tired. We're away from home. Yep. Like, and at the end of the day, we we have to work. And Tom, Tom uh, Dugan is shaking his head. Yeah. I don't know about this tire business. You literally just got here. I'm literally on vacation. So so Tom Dugan, Westminster effects, the Westminster minister, as he calls himself, and uh, logistics specialist. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I'm clipping hardcore. i got to dial that down. Yeah, so uh, many of you know Tom from uh, sorting out your postal service kerfuffles <laughs> on the internet. Uh, if you've ever seen Seinfeld, he is Newman. He is Newman. Uh, Hello, Newman. We'd put him on camera, but he's Newman. So we're just gonna we're just gonna pass on that. Uh, so that said, you know, I got my fangirl moment out of the way. I was really yep, respectful. Yep. I just said, hey, I love the content. I've been following you for a while. Yeah. Well, thank you for being Greg Koch because you're freaking awesome. And that was it. And that was it. Yep. And and uh, you know, it was the same way. I ran into to uh, Tyler and Bethany Larson from Music Is When. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, Brian Wall and Bradford from. Uh, uh, worship tutorials. Yep, yep. Um, you know, Ryan Burke from 60 Cycle Hum, and it was like, we just hit it off right away. And yeah. that's, that's the cool thing I think about NAM, and it's not all the gear, it's not all the noise, it's realizing that we're just all the same right, people. We're all dudes. And we're all here to hang out and uh, to get stuff done. Yep. And uh, and to really just enjoy this industry that we're a part of. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So and, uh, you know, this this is my second summer NAM. Uh, I did Anaheim in the, yeah. in the winter this year. But last year at Summer NAM, I was a deer in the headlights. Sure. I had no idea what was going on. Well, especially like you're you know you're helping obviously. Yeah. But you don't have bills being paid writing on this. Exactly. Like, someone can't come up to me and, like, chew me out over my profit margin right, or right. this, that, or the other thing. It's like, what do you mean it takes two weeks to turn right, around an order? Because, right. like, I'm just like, you know what? You know, go talk to Cody. Yeah. yeah. I'm here to talk throw, about the gear. Throw me under the bus, yeah. And to say that, you know what, those two weeks are worth it. Right. The profit margin's worth it, whatever it may be. <laughs> right. And, uh, and you know, we've had some good interest. We've had some really good interest, Yeah, exactly, I think. Yeah. Where, yeah. Where last year, I, I didn't even know what I was doing. For in sure. The first place. So, uh, so this year definitely a lot more traction. Mm -hmm. uh, I have my old space. Uh, like I love my people over at Lyman Guitar. Oh sure. But it does kind of help to have your own space, you know. And, and we were we were together in a booth this size. Oh my goodness. And it was uh, it's tight. It was very tight. Well, you know, I can also imagine. It's like, what if? Uh, I mean, for someone sharing a booth. What if they really like your stuff but not someone else's stuff? Right. You know what I mean? That could get awkward. And so and this that, is that did happen a couple times. And this is you know, everything is on the table here. Yep. Almost everything, except yep. for the Luther. We don't have the yep. Luther on the table, the but every everything other than that, yeah. everything's and then, and then on the table. Nose, it's impossible to put everything up. Yeah, there. I mean nose is just so diverse. And you know what? Um, there's a lot of people who I've seen walking around, people like Philip McKnight from uh, Know Your Gear, uh, yeah. even the guys from my hometown music store are well aware of Nose Pedal. Right. And they, right. you know, their ideas were like, you know, this is really a, uh, uh, this is really a, uh, a really kind of niche thing, yep. really weird stuff. 
But then I started going over what we've got offered now. Things yeah. like the attenuators and, and the effects blenders and the AB switchers. Right. I mean, things that are all small form factor that may have been available in other formats from other manufacturers, but all high quality, all available. And they were like, no way, really? Right. And, uh, and so that opened their eyes again. And, and to hear someone who I've followed for a long time, like Philip McKnight from Know Your Gear, um, who is really pretty for schnickety about his stuff, right. um, recognized that Nose Pedal is a leader in that space, was really cool to see. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So I, I didn't see that part. So yeah, he was over there. Oh, yeah, okay. it, it was okay. like early yesterday. I think he came and pieced out. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think the one thing that uh, that I wanted to uh, wanted to ask you before we uh, before we end the uh, end the segment here yeah. is what are you most excited about from each brand on the demo board today? Yeah. So there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff with with both of them, obviously. Like oh all yeah. The time no doubt. Where where you know I'll get an idea and it's like yeah I want to do that in a year. Mm. <laughs> but uh, so in terms of new releases, we'll just keep it to that, I guess. Yeah. With nose, I'm pretty excited about the speaker attenuator, uh, partially because I wanted one. Yeah. Nope. So yeah, no then joke. I got one. So uh, it sounds really good. The effects blender and is also really good. The speaker cool. attenuator is both eight. You have an eight ohm eight, version and ohms. a 16 yeah. ohm version. Yeah. Yeah. And how much power can they handle? Uh, I'm saying 60 watts. Okay. The L pad is technically rated to 100, but. Yeah, if for sure. Di if you dime a 100-watt amp and run it through this, you're probably going to have a bad time. Well, you know, let's think about it. I mean, we're talking 60 watts. I mean, that's your deluxe reverbs. That's that's sure. pretty much your twin. I mean, right. really. Right. Uh, you know, that's your AC30. Like that's if, your if AC30. If somebody wanted to run a dual rack turned up a little bit, and... Uh, Sorry, my phone's ringing. We're super pro. Hmm. Um, but if somebody wanted to run a dual rec through it, what? Put the mic up. To Don't tell me what to do, Kyle. Put your well, mic up to your face. My is making sound anymore, so they can hear us. They have 57. But let me mess this one. What are we doing? Uh, is it broken? Did you, you break just, everything? You worry about you. Okay. Uh, so yeah. Uh, and that one has a built-in switchable treble bleed, uh, so you don't lose. Yeah, exactly. You don't lose uh, on the Westminster side, I am most excited about the OC Distortion version two. Me too. Gets up there in the yeah, uh, me too. 5150 territory deliciously rich high gain tones. You know, I'm glad you said that because that's how I've been describing it too and we yeah. never synced up on that. Oh good. And you know, <laughs> the way I've been describing it to you know buyers from music stores who aren't players themselves, uh, Cody has to troubleshoot some issues, but the way I've been describing it to people who aren't players themselves is that it's immediate saturation yep. with clarity and just yep. not going crazy. Exactly. Let's think, tons of gain, but zero craziness. Yep. And yep. it's really uh, a lot of refinement in that circuit. That's really Really, really cool to see. Yep. Yep. Also, we've got the new art on the chick delay uh, for twenty yes. uh, for twenty nineteen going on. Yes. That's been uh, that's been well received, and this was the first time I ever played through one personally. Oh, that's and, right. Yeah. And honestly, I get it now. Yeah. Right. I mean, it is the ultimate ambient tool. Combining that with the Calcedon dual reverb. It's yeah. just yeah. You perfect. Have a lot of fun with that. It's just perfectly washy, but it doesn't get in the way, right. which is awesome. Right. Like on my DD500, it always gets in the way, even with ducking. But uh, it, right. it does it so, with that. So thanks again to Chick Fil A. For, yes, uh, thank for you. Not using an iron fist. <laughs> uh, and any other manufacturers or companies or individuals that may have an issue, uh, we also thank you in advance for not having an iron fist. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so the other new Westminster release is the version. 
to Knox. Uh, it's a little more brown soundy than uh, than 800 style. Sure. Uh, so the uh, sadly, the, the saddest part is the LED eyes as clipping dyes are gone. Uh, but you know, that, that was a that's a thing. It's a logistical, and, and you know, it's just an expense of moving towards a more reliable, consistent manufacturing process. Right. right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 So every, I'm moving toward everything being standardized for soft touch switching, uh, circuit board mounted jacks and power and all that kind of stuff for greater reliability. For sure. And easier buildability. Uh, so there's a lot of that involved, and um, so yeah, like. With, no. with the Knox, it was basically, let's simplify it for now. For like, sure. Obviously, there's going to be a version 3 down the road, but this version 2, I think, sounds better than version 1. Go ahead and grab it. Yeah, and, uh, absolutely. You can get dimed out Plexi-style tones out of the thing right now. For sure. And, uh, you know, the Puritan was also here. Yes. Um, that's that's one, one that you, you really want to see people adopt do, and, yeah, and take over. It can get gross on its own. Oh, my gosh. I played that... Uh, it's like the only Jimmy Page lick I know, uh, but it, it just, it sounded perfect. It was the exact sound I wanted, especially going to the Geneva, which is AC voiced anyways. Right. It right. was just that, that perfect mashup. Yeah, so I really like to use that as like a third or fourth stage oh, yeah. overdrive uh, when I'm playing at church. Uh, we're doing something like Glorious Day. I'll have the Piper Drive Edwards uh, 1689, so obviously the E89 yeah, uh, as, as the dual drive, and the Puritan on the entire time. And oh jeez. What's up guys? With all of those stacked. But obviously it'll it would be fine as a second stage or third stage. For know. sure. So. Well hey, we've got to get back to business, but the one thing yes. I wanted to mention before we go is this is also my first time seeing all of the V2 stuff and we've gone, I mean you've gone in just appearance, in in just quality and consistency from boutique builder yeah, yeah, yeah. to these these are like primo corporate like yeah, like man, I mean, commercially yeah, so made shout pieces. Out to these are for, uh, for these graphics, they uh, they look absolutely incredible. I can't take any credit for it, and because uh, anybody who uh, who knew me in college knew that I only passed the gra the, the uh, mandatory graphics design classes <laughs> out of pity. Yeah. <laughs> my stuff, my uh, my work was used as examples of what not to do for two years after I was done with those classes. I feel that. So uh, so any of my graphics ability is literally just placing text. <laughs> Placing drill template stuff. Uh, so yeah, a huge thanks to Ben Horton. He's really helped me turn a corner with uh, with looking good. And uh, and obviously, you look good. That catches people's attention. Exactly. You know? And then if you have that on your board, well, that causes more conversations. Hey, For that sure. Thing looks awesome. What is it? Well, it's this thing, and it also sounds good. Exactly. Because you know, at the end of the day, if it affects sounds good, you know, that from a business perspective is what we what yep. we want. Yep. Uh, but uh, as always, we want you to read better books. Yes. And uh, and so you know our names on the you know your names on the pedals don't go uh, don't go without a purpose. Right. Uh, and uh, you know that's uh, that's the great thing about this is that we've got that tongue in cheek humor. We've got that uh, you know we've got the cool stuff from Nose that allows you to just fix your issues that you have. Yep. You know it's the solutions company, and Westminster's about making you sound good all the way up front. Yes. So Cody, thanks for uh, taking time out of the show yeah, uh, to have that discussion with me. I'll wrap up a segment. You guys can talk to these guys. Yep. Uh, and uh, and that'll be it. Alrighty. Thank you, sir.
Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Everybody, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Uh, we'll get back to the rest of the show in a moment. But once again, I've been John Ross. That's been Cody Fields. And we were live here at the uh, floor of the NAM show in Nashville, Tennessee uh, for Summer NAM 2019. We'll catch you later. Does God run out of patience? How do we bridge the gap between understanding and application of Scripture? How do I deal with my kids who have left the faith? Does God forget our sin? Join the discussion on all these topics and more on the All 7 Days podcast, where Stan, who also happens to be my dad, and Trevor take your questions and answer them from the perspective of a couple of church members just having a discussion about spiritual matters. Subscribe to the All 7 Days podcast today on Apple, Google, Spotify, Overcast, or your other favorite podcast listening platform, and check out all7days.com. So, uh, I am now here with... <laughs> Are you not doing the whole intro? No. Okay. No, this is in the second half now. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Bradley Cox is in the house. We are we are professionals here at the yeah. Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast. Uh, so, Bradley, what did we do in church this week? So, we uh, continued our series called You Asked For It. We've done that once before. I think mm-hmm. lots of churches do it. And, took questions from the church, uh, filtered through those, and built a, a series. Topical series are not our norm, um, but in sometimes in the summer we mix it up, uh, yep. and this week's question was a pretty controversial one. It uh, was, yeah. You um, could feel some tension in the room. Definitely. The entire definitely. Sermon. I mean, the tension was, how do we... Uh, it, it, I don't remember the exact wording of the question, but it was essentially, how do we relate... To the LGBTQ community, um, it, you know, in a biblical, Christ-like way. I think it was show the love of Jesus. Yeah, show the love yeah. of Jesus um, without, I guess, affirming right uh, or or coming across like we're affirming mm-hmm. what we you know believe to be sexual sin according to Scripture. Uh, that homosexuality is sexual. Immorality, um, and so Keith uh, took that on, and I thought he did a great job. I do too. I do too. It was, and you know, he was even up front, like, you know, part of this, part of me is saying, yeah, let's let's knock this out. Let's you know do a really good job with the sermon, and the other part of him wanted to run out the back door. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> this, this is not one of those that. Uh, I mean, you can make friends depending on which way you lean theologically or politically. Mm-hmm. Like if you just go hardcore one or the other. Yeah. But it. But the question. The question was not: Is this wrong or right? It was all always from the foundation of well, scriptures are authority, and it says that these things are sinful. Exactly. Um. So we we're still commanded to love them. Yes. We're still commanded to evangelize. We're still commanded to make disciples. Mm-hmm. And then once you make disciples, then teach them to obey what Jesus has commanded. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's not like, Hey, stop being gay. Now here's the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. not really how that works. It's, just, yeah, that's, uh, kind of reminds me of the marrow controversy to nerd out a little bit. There's a really good book that Sinclair Ferguson put out on that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, and I think, I think Keith did a good job acknowledging yeah. the nuance yeah. of this yeah. issue and also, you know, challenging the church to 
not create a special category for homosexual sin. Sure. Uh, from you know all the other sins that you know we tend to, we I, I think it's true we tend to treat other sins differently in the context of the church mm-hmm. you know when it just comes to morality we 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 tend yeah. we tend to treat it differently and I think a lot of that is created by the challenge of the agenda in our culture that's true and 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 the sense that you know the church is being pressured. Not just to accept, but to affirm. Right, and we can't affirm biblically, but we can accept people, and mm-hmm. and we can welcome people and love them. And part of loving them is telling them the truth, which Keith talked yep. about, and I yep. thought he did a good job. Yeah, and there's there's such a fine line between recognizing that certain sins have bigger consequences. Oh, sure. Than others, right. some of them may. I mean, you could even probably say like. No, there's no probably. Uh, murder typically <laughs> results from a, how do you even say it, a, a more depraved foundation, if you could say that. I'm struggling for words here. Not more depraved, but more given over to depravity, maybe. Uh, maybe th- so. Maybe. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's... I'm, I'm, I'm fumbling for the proper term and the proper phrase, but you get what I'm saying. Like, that's that has... Much bigger consequences because someone dies than a, a white lie. Sure, sure, and and there's obviously, um, but that doesn't mean because I mean we look at Paul, a murderer or a homosexual or whatever isn't any less savable than no, someone right. who simply in terms of the gossips. holiness of God. Right, you know it's it, we're we're. Righteousness is not like horseshoes and hand grenades. You just get close. I mean, God is holy and we're not. And, you know, a white lie um, falls um, devastatingly short of the holiness of God, uh, just like murder would. Right. Right. There's no difference there. And so when it comes to, you know, our... Our pursuit of righteousness and our thirst for righteousness in the church, speaking the truth in love, journeying with people, um, loving them in their struggles, mm-hmm. and and being merciful and kind. We should not be treating the homosexual any different than we should the person who's right. struggling with pride or greed mm-hmm. or pornography. Right. That there should be there should be equity in terms of our willingness mm-hmm. to journey with people um, and not let the agenda and the pressure from culture cause us to create those categories that typically exist. And, and one of the things I appreciated about the way Keith phrased everything, and I, he didn't really go into this, but he said struggling with. Yeah. There's a huge difference between struggling with you know, a porn addiction or struggling with same-sex attraction, struggling with wanting to gossip about right. people, then there's a huge difference between that and just lauding, just going at it. Doing whatever you want. Yeah, if you laud sin, that's a different conversation. Right. We're not talking about people who, you know, there there are, there's a guy that I know who um, was actually, he was attending the college that I worked for years ago, mm-hmm. and I think he lives in this area now, and um, he's going to a church in our community that now doesn't just welcome and accept the gay community, they affirm. Mm-hmm. So when when you cross that line then you're lauding sin you're you're lauding right. evil as good right and that that's a whole different conversation than the yep. person who says look i have same sex attraction i love jesus i'm struggling i might even have fallen 
Yeah, yeah. But I want Christ, and I don't know what to do with this struggle. I had a conversation, Cody, with a, a guy uh, just a few years ago um, who, at the time, he was 19 years old, I think. Mm-hmm. Had grown up in a Christian home, a very conservative Southern Christian home, uh, Bible Belt kind of family. Sure. Um, and when the Supreme Court, you know, you know, basically, um, you know, put put out the legislation mm-hmm. that now in all states mm-hmm. homosexuals can marry. The, the Obergefell decision, exactly. Yeah. It it, um, it it sparked a conversation. Among mm-hmm. his family, and to which he confessed having only known attraction to men. Yeah, yeah. And I journey. I had the privilege of journeying with that guy for a little while before he went to college. Uh, I pray for him occasionally. Still, I don't know how he's doing. But sure. at the time, his question was, "Can I be a Christian?" I've never mm-hmm. acted on this inclination, is what he right. said, and I believed him. He was he was attempting to mortify it. Exactly. Yeah. He he had never acted on it, but he didn't know what to do. Right. And so you know there were there were some conversations we had, some books we read together, uh, some other pastors we went to counsel for. But that that was a real struggle for this guy. To as far as he knew, he had only been attracted to men. He'd never been abused. Mm-hmm. Um, it, at least from what he told me. And again, I believe him. Uh, he never gave me any reason not to. Never struggled with porn uh, in the mm-hmm. sense that it was like a big addiction or anything. There right. wasn't like some trauma that you could point to that had brought this about. He just, from puberty on, yeah. was attracted to men. And um, so those kinds of things, is those kinds of situations are what we're talking about when we talk about people struggling and journeying with them and not treating them different than someone else in our church that's struggling with whatever sin. Right. And it's definitely one of those uh, sermons that you need to listen to the whole thing. Definitely. It, it, like, don't stop him five minutes into it. It's yeah. let him let him finish yeah, yeah, <laughs> because, let him. because they're, if it's really easy in these kind of situations to read into what he's saying, something that he's not. That's right. And that's, that's, you know, we struggle with that in our culture right now with so the culture so. of sound bites. And, you know, if you can't say it in a uh, minute and a half, <laughs> why and would I listen to you? You can't deal with an issue like that in a minute yeah, and a half. Yeah, exactly. You can't deal with it in sound bites. That's, and that was one of Keith's points yesterday is, you know, um, look to have conversations, like real conversations about this instead of just trying to, um, you know, Create these oversimplified summaries yep. that that really lend to all sorts of bias and and prejudice that you know creates a deeper divide. Yep. Instead of you know really being uh, able to build relationships and journey with people towards truth. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, I I agree with you. You can't deal with it in sound bites. Listen to the whole sermon. Yeah. Now musically, I had the week off. You played keys. Had a blast. Uh, yeah. Uh looked like you were having fun. Uh, fun. I was a little bit jealous that you played three of my favorite songs up front, and I didn't get to play them with uh, Death Was Arrested, yeah. Is He Worthy, and Mighty Cross. Like yeah. Those are all, all a whole lot of fun to play, and I was just like, dang it, yeah. I missed a good one. <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story, though. You'll appreciate this. Um, so we have a lady here at Res that plays keys a lot, and uh, her name is Tanya. 
and everybody loves Tanya. Everybody loves Tanya. She's one of the sweetest women you'll ever meet in your life. Um, super talented, um, very, very, you know, trained musically. She has a lot of musical knowledge. She teaches mm-hmm. piano lessons, but playing from a chord chart and doing a lot of improv, uh, that kind of stuff. When she first started playing years ago here at Res, mm-hmm. that was brand new to her. She was very timid, very shy. In fact, sure. for a while. She only did what we called backup keys, where she would add some strings, pad, mm-hmm. those kinds of things. And we had other people playing the main keyboard parts. Yeah, that was when I first started coming here, yeah. yeah. But she's grown into that, where now she nails it every week, mm-hmm. you know. And so, and, and you know, if you don't know the story, for years I've, I've been sort of the, 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 the worship ministry sort of revolved around me and my leadership of it and teaching mm-hmm. people. Uh, how to play their instrument, how to how to be a part of a band, and I did that for years and years, even before you came. Yep. And then this week, I'm on keys for the first time, and I don't know how long. Right, it's we're, probably been like a year, hasn't at, it? at least. And we're in practice, and we're going through. I think is he worthy? And I'll be honest with you, I hadn't had time to really <laughs> listen to the song. I'm just in there. We're in the key of D, I think, and I'm going, I'm just going to interpret what I want to do. And Zeke got frustrated with me. Oh, no. And at one point in the practice, he actually said this. He said, Bradley, you're not playing it right. You're not playing it like Tanya. <laughs> and I thought, that is that is the most awesome thing I've heard in a long time to hear. It. She has grown so much. Yeah. That now, Play I, her. <laughs> I I am not measuring up to the standard of Tanya. I love that. That's awesome. Somebody that's grown that much. Well, let's, uh, how about we pop into some Inquisition stuff? Yep. Um, some of it's going to stem from Nam, uh, but we'll we'll have fun with it. It's not totally like just gear stuff okay um so there's there's actually some uh music industry that you'll appreciate some theological implications too uh jonathan lenz asks given the collapse of the recorded music industry and subsequent extinction of the classic guitar hero types who on a massive scale inspired generations of young people to pick up the guitar learn drums etc to what extent is the modern praise and worship movement keeping the music industry alive so in terms of gear and pro audio and recording stuff, <laughs> it's it sounds like a lot. I mean, it makes sense to me. A ton of musicians, and you may have run into this, uh, pastoring is there's a ton of musicians who will play in church just so they can play somewhere on a regular basis. Yeah, I mean, I listened to that question, and my first thought is I have no idea, but then I look back over the last, I don't know, I mean, really since I started 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. There, you know, I remember this, Cody. Uh, in 2001, I went to Hillsong Conference mm-hmm. in Australia, uh, and and it, it was an amazing experience, for one thing, just to go to Hillsong. Um, and, you know, back then, you know, I mean, I know Hillsong has migrated into some, you know, weird camps now, and we have question marks about them. But back then, yeah. Hillsong was Hill, Hillsong was leading the way. They were cutting edge, cutting edge in every way. And the conference was an amazing conference. And I remember going, 
and walking by the booth where they were selling all the, you know, Hillsong yep. CDs back then. We actually had CDs. <laughs> what, what's that? What is that? <laughs> but you could, they, they had them all lined up. All of their albums mm-hmm. were lined up on a shelf. And you could look at the first few, I don't remember, three, four, five, that were, you could tell, homegrown covers. Somebody yep. had got on a computer and did the best they could. Mm-hmm. And then the album that Shout to the Lord came out on. And for those of you that are old enough to remember that song, <laughs> okay, that song went gangbusters. And yeah, the next album cover, you could tell, was just so professionally done. And that mm-hmm. was the song... That really launched them, and you think yeah. about the influence the Hillsongs had in the industry itself, mm-hmm. um, not just in you know the Christian circles, but in secular mm-hmm. circles, and people that have picked up the guitar, people that have picked up the drums and keys, and because of got, guys like Nigel Hendroff and such. I'm yeah. telling you, man, the church in a lot of ways, I think historically has led the way. That's true. Not just That's in the really modern, true. not just in the modern context, but just how many singers do you hear? People like you go back as far as uh, I'm trying to stay within our general listenership's lifetime. But you go back to people like Whitney Houston and mm-hmm. um, others that they grew up singing in church. That's they true. Learned how to sing in church. They learned how to play in church, mm-hmm. and they might go out and and become professional musicians. I could name you. A half like, a dozen professional like Katy music- Perry grew up exactly Katy Perry. Uh, I can name you a half a dozen professional musicians that now do studio work, play in churches, and are hired guns for you know sort of second tier touring bands. Sure, that played for me at Emmanuel College or at uh, the church that I was at in Anderson back in the day. Yeah. They they half a dozen of them are are doing it professionally now because they learned how to play in church. Yeah, and we're in a we're in a really interesting musical time period because you know everybody looks at like sixties, seventies, eighties as like golden age for mm-hmm. for guitar tone and stuff like that. You got mm-hmm. guys like even though I think he's terribly overrated, Angus Young of mm-hmm. ACDC, mm-hmm. Uh, maybe even Slash in the eighties, early nineties. On and on and on, you know, Tommy, uh, what's his name, Iomi of uh, Black Sabbath, mm-hmm. and these guys are getting old. Yeah, they are. <laughs> uh, Brian May of Queen, mm-hmm. they're just, and, and they're eventually going to end up, like he said, going extinct, uh, except for Keith Richards, because he's pretty much embalmed already. <laughs> <laughs> but but you've, you've had, you know, this you know, 20, 30 years of guitarists who are, you know, either not relevant anymore or they're dead. Mm-hmm. You don't really see just a ton unless the ma- the market's just fractured that much because of online streaming and so many different genres can pick up steam. Uh, so I don't know. It's one of those really interesting things to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, one One follow-up that I had for that is what do we do about... I'm kind of trying to formulate maybe even the, the the term or the phrase, but looking at NAM, and this isn't to slam any company or anything, just it's just the market, but what do we do with the fact that so much of worship seems to have been kind of industrialized? I don't know. Because um, even my own brand, <laughs> you know, like I'm like, hey, go read these dead guys. 
you know? Well, the, the church has been industrialized. Yes. It's not just worship. I mean, my dad started a business years ago that's now become very successful uh, where he offers uh, financial services of online financial mm-hmm. dashboard and budgeting tool that we use here at Res. Yeah, that's phenomenal, and he is continually, almost weekly now, mm-hmm. landing new clients, and most of them are churches with an with an attendance in excess of five thousand. Sure, five thousand, ten thousand, fifteen thousand. Mm-hmm. When I was growing up. Those kinds of that, uh, churches of that size were an anomaly. They you you didn't. Mm-hmm. Now it almost seems like it's almost normal now. It's almost normal, and 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 we've we've gotten so good at it. And I think there are mm-hmm. concerns about that. There's also I think benefits. I mean the the yep. the the use of technology to to further the gospel and um, connect with more people mm-hmm. and you know I, I just I, I think there's a ton of benefit, but we have to be careful. That we don't lose sight of the the purpose of our gathering, and I right. think that is the real danger. Is when the church becomes a performance, it becomes mm-hmm. a program that we facilitate on a weekly basis to attract as many people as possible, versus creating a Christian community, a fellowship where we gather with the family of God to worship. Mm-hmm. You lose sight of that, and it 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 can. It can really become problematic, I think. Yeah, and I think of you know even just the the services that I utilize within the worship team. You've got Planning Center, you've got uh, Worship Online or the Worship Initiative yeah. or Worship Artistry or whatever, and then you've got the different graphics and video bumpers that we have subscriptions for. Yep. Plus, 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 plus. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how many hundreds of dollars we're spending a month right now. Um, and that may sound cheap compared to some churches, mm-hmm. just for those kinds of services. Church is big business right now. Right. It really is. There's so much. I mean, I have a, I've mentioned it before. I have a friend who, who works in the audiovisual lighting industry, and it is normal for them to have a seven figure project. Oh, yeah. At yeah. a church. That's normal now. Right. That used to be only for the biggest of venues. Right. And even, but even when we renovated our relatively small sanctuary, like that wasn't that wasn't cheap. <laughs> even even no. though like we kept our mixer and we kept our speakers, uh, but the other stuff that we did to upgrade things, you know, that still mm. not, Bunch of money. <laughs> yeah. If you spend five fig if you got a church of three to five hundred and you spend five figures on an audiovisual lighting package, mm-hmm. that is like going to Walmart. Yeah, to buy. Yep. You know, it, it just it's not. It doesn't cut it now. And yep. and and I don't know. Sometimes I've, I I struggle with you know how much money we spend on those kinds of things versus you know maybe doing something more tangible to meet needs or disciple people. And you know, I think that's mm-hmm. just something that every church has got to be. Be cautious. Be careful. Yep. Be thoughtful about. Yep. Yeah, it's 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 ultimately about the approach, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, so, kind of correlating to that, Sam Jones asks, "Why do people argue about gear so much online?" <laughs> and it, you need to answer that one. Well, it's it's like I see so much stuff, whether it's on you know the Gear Talk and even Gear Talk Praise and Worship or Worship Guitar Sounds or any number of other groups. It's Hey, I'm looking at maybe getting this thing, new overdrive pedal, new delay pedal, whatever. 
And instead of, yeah, I think that would suit your needs or, hey, what about this option? There's some people that get really heated and get really mad. I don't get it. <laughs> I truly do not understand. Yep. Uh, I'll just chalk it up to human depravity. <laughs> people are stupid. That's yeah, all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Brian Morris has a two-part. Part one, do you believe we landed on the moon? Since we're at the 50th anniversary of the first moon landing. <laughs> you know what's funny is... Uh, oh, so are we not going to get a straight answer? I'll, I'll give you a straight answer. <laughs> I'll, I'll say I'll start with a straight answer. Yes, I do believe we landed yes. on the moon. Yes, we did. I watched last night... The, did you see this thing that CNN did uh, on Apollo 11 where they, they took all the the footage of the launch all the way to the moon landing and back? Mm-hmm. And they sort of enhanced it with, you know, like... In terms of color and, oh, and wow. picture quality, it was fascinating. Yeah, I mean, they followed, and 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 it, there wasn't commentary; it was just how it happened. It's it's mm. like a home movie in as close to HD as you can possibly get from something shot in 1969. Yep, um, uh, with all the different camera angles. You know, we've all seen the pictures. Uh, and there's somebody in the background with a camera videoing, and 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 it's like they took all that footage and put it together, and mm-hmm. man, was it ever fascinating! So yes, I do think we went to the moon. Um, <laughs> I I just I I don't think that. So look up the thing that CNN just did. Look it up and watch it. It is fa- it is fantastic. So uh, to correlate. Well, I guess the follow-up, I don't know. I'm still, my brain is recovering from NAM right now. Uh, The first meal that was consumed on the moon was by Buzz Aldrin taking the Lord's Supper. Is is this a neat concept or an inappropriate use of the table? And the quote uh, from Buzz Aldrin was, I wondered if it might be possible to take communion on the moon, symbolizing the thought that God was revealing himself there too, as man reached out into the universe, for there are many of us in the NASA program who do trust that what we are doing is part of God's eternal plan for man. So I guess the question is, was it appropriate for Buzz Aldrin to effectively serve himself communion on the moon? Which I have seen some legitimate debate about that here and there. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I guess I guess there you could you could debate it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean I I I put it to you this way. I've had pretty pretty you know half a dozen conversations with people who talk about taking communion by themselves at home, mm-hmm. um, and I, I get really sketchy about that because yep. people start to treat communion like this four leaf clover. Right. Uh, well, you know, I'm doing this, and it becomes ritualistic, and mm-hmm. you lose the whole sense of why Jesus instituted that. Yeah, the, um, the four-leaf qu- clover phrase is, is pretty great. One of the uh, <clears throat> people that we criticize on here just put out a book about communion, basically releasing miracles. Who? Into, is Benny Johnson. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. See, that I, I was going to leave that alone for now, but... Yeah. <laughs> so, I, so, yeah, she just put out... I think it was Benny Johnson put out a book basically about you know, taking communion and, you know, how she and Bill Johnson take it every single day. And that's part of what releases miracles into their lives. No, no, no. That, that is, and I don't know what Buzz Aldrin was thinking in, in, uh, other than what you just Mm -hmm. read. I think, Um, I think he's Presbyterian, right? I think. That might be true. I don't know. But it sounds like that was done Maybe done in a right spirit, done right. in a right way, right. and I, I, 
I wouldn't I wouldn't criticize that. I mean, Mary was telling me about my wife was telling me about was it the first not the first Apollo mission, but maybe the one before. I mean, it was Apollo ten mm-hmm. where they actually just orbited the moon. Yeah. And one of the astronauts began to read from Genesis 1 as they are orbiting the moon. And it was yeah. broadcast over the, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And I, I mean, like I haven't even heard that, but she was telling me about it and I got chills. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, you know, Buzz Aldrin and, and those astronauts that were doing this at that time, for them to honor God in those ways, I'm okay mm-hmm. with. I think yeah. to acknowledge God and honor God in that way, I mean, it. Mary and I were talking about how controversial it would be for someone to, an astronaut, maybe the next time we go to the moon, to read the creation story over the airwaves. I mean, I I, I imagine that would be met with a lot of resistance and criticism, but um, I don't know. I I, I would be hesitant to criticize Buzz Aldrin in that case. Sure. All right, last question, and this is this is from me. We're going to get your live reaction oh, as we record, <laughs> uh, like I told you about. So there is a company, and there's there's several companies that just have bad ideas at NAM. It's inevitable. <laughs> uh, it's it's just a fact of life. So there is one particular that's become kind of infamous called Klops Drums. So that's their booth. All right. So effectively, what this guy is doing is he is taking uncut drum shells. And putting guitar speakers with fur in them, or fuzz, or whatever that is, in order to, quote-unquote, dampen the frequencies that are coming out so you truly hear the guitar tone, right? Okay. So, there's that. Okay. This is what this guy looks like. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so the tooth necklace, the uh, it's almost like a it's almost like a bowl cut pulled up into a top knot or something with a butterfly on it. Mm. Um, also, it was pointed out uh, in this picture. He kind of looks like Todd White in the face. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so uh, Clifton Worley commented on the post. This happening, so it looks like somebody's trying to have a conversation with him. And he's just blowing it up. Bless his heart, right? They'll let anybody in Nam now. These don't. They? Yeah, pretty much. As long as you have a membership. <laughs> is that a butterfly at the top of it? What is that? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Wow. So, <laughs> um, amidst you know, so there's obviously some really cool stuff at Nam. Okay. Um, I mean, obviously, I was there, right? Um. I kid, but uh, there's there's always really really bad ideas, or maybe even people who have good ideas that just aren't marketed well. So within those conversations, when is it appropriate, or how do you approach saying, "Hey, man, this is a bad idea," <laughs> <laughs> or or maybe even, "Have you considered marketing toward this crowd or in this way instead?" And I'm not even talking about the thankfully becoming increasingly rare companies that do like the sex sells thing, like parading a bunch of scantily clad women. That's becoming more rare, thankfully. But dudes who have like basically a neon green color scheme (laughs) or like Klopp's drums (laughs) where it's just ridiculous and the guy kind of looks like a clown and everybody's really just laughing at him. 
What do we do? (laughs) Are you asking this in terms of like, okay, how do we be Christ-like to people with dumb ideas? Yes, I think so. I think so. You know, I... (laughs) I know you're still a little blown away by just by how strange... (laughs) <laughs> what you just saw was you know here's what's funny is that one of the one of the hardest things about pastoring uh one of the one of the toughest situations I find myself in at mm-hmm. times as a pastor is when you are trying to help you journey with people who either have desires to do things or uh think they have gifts that they don't mm. have yeah 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 you know like you know People that want to be like we we're going through the process of expanding our eldership right now. Yeah, and we've we've had uh, ten or eleven recommendations from our congregation, mm-hmm. and so now those men are going through the process. There's a very yeah. detailed application. There's a, um, a some, some exegesis they're going to have to do mm-hmm. an interview. There's going to be a season of prayer and fasting, and it's a pretty long process. But you know, we already know that within that list, there are going to be some people that are going to be told no, Mm -hmm. because we're not taking on 10 or 11 elders. Right. And within that might be some people who think they're qualified or think they're gifted, Mm -hmm. and they're not. Right. And you want to help those people like, look, it's not going to do you any good to be aspiring to something you're not gifted to do. Mm-hmm. Let's help. Let's find out what you are gifted to do. So, you know, go, finding a guy like that at Nam, I don't know, but I would say in general, <laughs> with people that are in my circle, and you 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 see them aspiring to things that they're either not gifted to do or they're not doing well, right? I I would want to if if I'm if I really consider that person a friend or brother or sister I'd want to try to have a conversation with them at sure. some point and say look let's figure out what you're good at let's figure mm-hmm. out what you're gifted to do let's figure out maybe a way to make this better but isn't it isn't it loving to try to help somebody not waste their life on something that's not going yeah, go anywhere yeah. you know like yeah. I I, I want to I, I remember when my I was coming out of high school. Mm-hmm. And going to college, so I went to a Christian school like you did. Mm-hmm. It was small, and I played basketball and baseball. Yeah. And our, our schools used to be rivals. That's way right. Back. That's right. But in it, at the school that I went to, I was the MVP mm-hmm. on the basketball team. I was all conference, right? I mean, I was the leading scorer on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, I I was the team captain. I mean, I was it, I was at the top of the food chain in terms of basketball. Mm-hmm. And I was going to a pretty small college, mm. but yep. my dad sat me down before I went to college, and he said, son, you can go there and try to go out for the basketball team, and you might make it, but mm-hmm. you're going to ride the bench for the majority of your college tenure. Yeah. Because the level of competition was just... It's, it's that much it's tougher. that yeah. much tougher. He said, but your music gift is something you might can make a career out of. Mm-hmm. And at the time, that conversation ticked me off. Oh, sure. Because I was so used to being, you know, patted on the back and praised as a basketball mm-hmm. player. And then to hear somebody tell me, you're not good enough and you're not ever going to be. Right. To really excel at that. But this is what you could excel at. Yeah. But I'm so thankful for that conversation because by, by my junior and senior year, I was on a full ride scholarship for music. Mm-hmm. Full ride. Yeah. And for the better part of 20 years of ministry, 
music has been a big part of what I've done, mm-hmm. not just to serve Christ, but also to put food on my table. Yeah. Yeah. And so though I think at some point if you're journeying with somebody, you got to you got to look for an honest conversation. You know, that's the kind of conversations I want to have with my kids. Sure. When it's time. So yeah, yeah, that's the best answer I can come up with. I like it. I like it. yeah, because I, I I did have one conversation with a guy where you know like I'm I'm not like just blowing it out of the water or anything, but I'm able to pay my bills and there's been growth. Yeah, and and you know there was one guy that I talked to I didn't know really how to respond. He's like, yeah, it must be nice to have growth in your business. And I was just like, oh no, <laughs> what do you say to that? So yeah, yeah it's good stuff. So uh, uh, let's just skip the recommended. I've been at Nam. <laughs> uh, I, I could recommend a book. Yeah, sure. Why not? Um, I actually, um, I'm gonna have to steal one of your pens off your desk. Okay, so the um, the the topic that we covered on Sunday, mm-hmm. um, there's a book. If I can get to the cover, so I can tell you the 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 details. Um, Love into light, um, subtitled "The Gospel, the Homosexual, and the Church" by Peter Hubbard. Peter Hubbard is actually a pastor in our community, uh, a church called North Hills. And oh, yeah. yeah, right down right down the road here in Taylor's. And I've I've had a couple of lunches with him. Um and it it's really an interesting story how his church really organically, without them really trying to, began to find themselves ministering and discipling to people who are struggling with same sex attraction. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he actually started a conference called Love Into Light after he wrote this book. And the conference has been very successful, and the book's been very successful. Mm-hmm. I took my staff through this book a few years ago, uh, but it's really helpful. It, it kind of goes a little bit, a lot more detail than even what Keith was able to on Sunday as oh, far yeah. as journeying with people who want to pursue Christ and have same-sex attraction. How do we? Mm-hmm. How do we do? How do we? How can we do that as the church? How can we journey with those people and um, and Share the truth in love, present the gospel, and you know not treat them as in some sort of separate category than we would others. Uh, I thought it was a great book, so I would I would recommend it if particularly if you've got someone in your life that you're you consider a friend, a loved one that might be struggling with same sex attraction. This would be a great read. Love into light. The Gospel of the Homosexual in the Church by Peter Hubbard. Very cool. Well, uh, follow us and comment on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. Leave a five-star review. I'm uh, going to leave you with something from uh, the brand new, like literally brand new, I think, as we release this podcast. Uh, it's probably either the same day or the day after this new Wolves at the Gate album uh, drops. So uh, we're doing this because... Uh, I had a first happen. They threw me a thank you in the album liner. Nice. I saw that on social media. I was pretty stoked. Uh, So here it is, Wolves at the Gate. Thanks for listening.
Take it off.